Father, we are glad for these moments that you have given us. And, and Lord, I'm really glad for Valerie's testimony, how she shared what sounds like real life, something that's beautiful and complicated and, and messy, and yet it's something that we, we live with, with you. Your presence and your pleasure are, are with us even now. And so, Lord, I pray for something of that authenticity to be in our time together as we come to your word, that we would really be attentive uh, to hear from you in this time and to hear what you are calling us to by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Seek first the kingdom of God. We're told to pray, let your kingdom come. Our title this morning is Extraordinary Prayer. I read an article in the Denver Post this week. Let me quote to you from it. The headline was, Entire city pauses for prayer, even at the high tide of business. Article went on to say, Remarkable outburst of gospel sentiment. Noonday meetings draw congregations unprecedented in numbers. For two hours at midday, all Denver was held in a spell. The the marts of trade were deserted between noon and two o'clock this afternoon, and all the worldly affairs were forgotten, and the entire city was given over to meditation of higher things. The Spirit of the Almighty pervaded every nook. Going to and coming from the great meetings, the thousands of men and women radiated the Spirit which filled them. And the clear Colorado sunshine was made brighter by the reflected glow of the light of God shining from happy faces. Seldom has such a remarkable sight been witnessed. An entire great city in the middle of a busy week bowing before the throne of heaven and asking and receiving the blessing of the king of the universe. Now, I read that this week. But it was written and published on January the 20th, 1905. 1905. It didn't quite sound right, but oh, that, that kind of extraordinary experience might be a little more ordinary in our experience. On one hand, isn't it glorious to reflect upon the fact that that took place in our nation? And yet on the other hand, sad to reflect upon the fact Not so much that that no longer takes place in our nation, but that no longer takes place in in our lives. A humbling, convicting thought for another day that the spiritual devotion of the nation will not rise beyond the spiritual devotion of the church. An intro for us to consider that prayer is really, I think, a challenge for many of us. And as we've been aiming in this series series to live without pretending, it's okay for us to stop and, and admit that. But prayer is a challenge for many of us. And prayer is often one of those things that reveals to us our own hypocrisy. Why? Because we are, we are thoroughly in the, in the pro-prayer camp, right? We are fans of prayer. We believe in prayer. We are sure that prayer is a good idea. In fact, we're not really sure is there ever a time in which prayer is a bad idea. I can't really think of one. Um, Only problem is we don't really pray. (laughs) Sure, sometimes we do before a meal or with our small group, but we find that we tend to pray more in public than we do by our own, that we lack a vibrant, healthy, vital uh, prayer life. Well, 
That extraordinary prayer might be a little more ordinary in our experience. I want to share three really simple truths from Scripture this morning. Three really simple things that have been significant in my own prayer life and I hope will be significant in yours as well. First simple thing for us to consider is this. That prayer is, point one, a remarkable gift that's been given to us in the gospel. Prayer is a remarkable gift that's been given to us in the gospel. Now, a year or so ago, we did a whole series on prayer. And if you missed that, I encourage you to to go back and and listen to those. They'll hopefully be helpful to you as you seek to grow in your prayer life. But one of the themes in that series that we hit again and again and again was this connection between prayer and the gospel. That prayer is a gift, yes, but one that's given to us in the gospel. And it's important for us to begin reflections on prayer by remembering this because, you know, there's a sense in which prayer is, is common to all religions. It's not a uniquely Christian thing. In the world's major religions, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, prayer is a feature. Prayer, though, is also a feature of, of Eastern religion, too, of Hinduism, of, of, of Buddhism. And not just this prayer, though, common to religion. Prayer is also, in a very real sense, just kind of common in our culture. You know, over 50% of Americans say that they pray regularly. Two-thirds of Americans believe that God will answer specific prayers. Three quarters of Americans believe that prayer is so powerful that it can even be used to heal someone. And so what happens, what emerges from this is this sort of tendency, even in ourselves, to to take prayer for granted. Why? Well, in religions, God will listen to our prayers because we're following the right practices. Or just in our culture at large, God will listen to our prayers because that just sort sort of seems like the kind of thing God would do. Right? It kind of seems to be a part of the God thing. But there's actually something profoundly different about Christian prayer. And we want to dwell on this because, you know, we live in a culture that wants to flatten all religious belief. Flatten it out to say, well, you know, you all really pretty much believe the same thing. You know, so it's important for us to say, well, no, not really. Here's what's distinctive about my faith. Here's what's distinctive about, in this case, my prayers. See, according to the Bible, we shouldn't take prayer for granted. Why? Because according to the Bible, God hears all prayer, but he doesn't listen to all prayer in the same way. God hears all prayer, but he doesn't listen to all in the same way. So yes, he hears all prayer in the sense that he's all-knowing and nothing escapes his attention, but he doesn't listen to it in the same way. Last year, you may remember, I was illustrated this idea by sharing a story of when I was sitting at the play park with our, our youngest daughter. Now, our youngest daughter was off having a great time on the most kind of, it's just awesome playground I've ever seen in my life. There were swings and seesaws and roundabouts and climbing things and various contraptions that you could fall off and break a limb, you know. And uh, there was just children everywhere. Children running and whooping and hollering with delight and there's noise and bedlam and craziness. And I remember this one kid who walked in front of me and he only had one shoe on, right? That's like, that boy's in trouble later with his mum, right? Just absolute mayhem breaking out in this play park. And then above it all, I heard a cry. Why? Because I heard one of my children cry. And so I went running over to the monkey bars where she was completely stranded 
hanging like this. And you know when they're, when they're wee and their arms are barely longer than their head, right? And so she's hanging there like this, terrified that she can't make it to the other side. And so she's about to fall to her death, which was about six inches, right? Okay. So she's like hanging there and I, you know, scoop her up and, and squeeze her. How is it that above the noise, above the bedlam, I listened for the call of my own? Well, because I love her. She's precious to me. She's one of mine. And in the same way, the Lord hears all prayer, but he uniquely listens to the prayers of his own. He uniquely listens to those he loves, to those who are precious to him. Well, what makes the difference? How do you know if he hears or really listens? And the answer is the gospel. The gospel. That's what has made us his own. Think back to last week in Isaiah chapter 6 and and the throne room of God and how he sits high and exalted in this splendid scene where even the seraphs won't look at him because of his glory. By ourselves, we don't roll into that scene and start issuing edicts to the king. But by his grace, we're now invited to come. Consider Hebrews 10 verse 19. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 3.12. In Christ Jesus our Lord, we have boldness and access and confidence through our faith in him. Hebrews 4.16. With confidence we draw near to the throne of grace. In the gospel, God loves us. In the gospel, we're precious to him. So in the gospel, he not only hears, but listens to us as we cry out from the play park. And so prayer for the Christian is a unique thing because it's distinctively a gospel thing. The reason we believe he is ready and able to help us is because he is our father who has loved us in Christ. That's point one. We need to understand as we think about prayer that it's a remarkable gift given to Christians in the gospel. Secondly, because of this, because it's a remarkable gift that's ours in the gospel, Christians can and should pray about anything and everything. That's the second point. You and I, we should pray about about anything and everything everything. We need to see the connection, not just between prayer and the gospel, but also between prayer and normal, everyday, day-to-day life. If God is our Father in the gospel, then he's not too busy, too grumpy, too distracted to, to hear from us. We don't need to tiptoe into his presence, but instead he invites us and invites us warmly into his presence. We're his family, and so when you call Father, he loves to turn his face toward you. And so we should be a people who make the most of that reality. We have the ear of God himself. One of the reasons I I love this passage that we read is that it shows God's concern for just the normal, routine, mundane things of life. Consider verse 25. Do not be anxious about your life, about the great things, the grandiose things. No, about what you will eat or what you will drink. Not about your body, what you will put on. Verse 31. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? Verse 32. For your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. This passage shows us that God is, he is interested 
and concerned about all the details of your life. So, does God care about what you had for breakfast this morning? Yes. Does God care about your grocery bill? Yes. Does God care about your health? Yes. And so we should talk to him about all those things. Well, does God care about that mortgage payment? Or that business problem? Or the stress that you're working through? Yes. And so we can talk to him about all those things. Does God care about your family or your your marriage and your parenting or your singleness? Does he care about these things? Yes, he does. And so we can talk to him about all these things. In fact, think of the most random detail of your life. The Lord cares about that. In answer to the question, does God care about? The answer is always yes, because ultimately, God cares about you. And so he cares about all that comes with you. He's interested and concerned about normal day-to-day life, so we can pray about anything and everything. And I think we, we just need to learn to do so. See, I don't know about you, but this is actually a strangely hard thing. For, for a lot of us to do, to really connect the dots from, from day-to-day life to, to, to the God who loves us. An example of, of how you've experienced this, uh, if you've been a part of the church, if you consider yourself a church person, then you know that feeling of being in a small group, and it's prayer request time, and it's working around the group, and you're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't, I don't know what my prayer request is, you know? Um, and so as other people are talking, you've got your listening face on, because that's what you're meant to do, you know, you're but inside you're thinking, I really don't know what I'm going to share. And you, so you're starting now, your mind's starting racing now. You're kind of racking through. What about work? Is there something at work? No, not really. Well, what about home? Is everyone okay? Yeah, everyone's healthy. Man, why wouldn't one of the kids have a cold right now, you know? Um, I'd like, uh, I don't really know. And then it comes to you and you kind of like stutter out some super lame prayer request, right? Now, now why, why have we had that experience? <laughs> it's not because we think of ourselves, yeah, I, my, I don't really need prayer for anything. That's not our posture. It's that we fail to connect the day-to-day details of our lives with the God who loves us. We failed ourselves to be praying about all these things, so we don't really know what to share with someone else either. A personal revival happens for us. It takes place in our lives when we start to connect the details of life with the God who loves us. You start to see him show up. You start to see him show off. You become aware of his presence with you and aware of his pleasure in you. A great example came from from this week. Uh, One of our students has really felt the the call to go and pursue a master's degree to uh, launch her into the the career she thinks the Lord has, has placed before her. And as she sought counsel on, on this idea, there's been a, a lot of agreement and affirmation that, yes, this seems like, like the right thing to do. The only problem is she hasn't been able to kind of gather the finances that are needed to kind of set her down this trajectory. And so she started to pray and said, Lord, this seems to be from you, and I seem to be getting affirmation of that from, from, from my community, but if you want this to happen, you're going to have to make it happen. <laughs> well... That week, an email, family friend offering to pay her entire tuition for the next two years. Coincidence? You cynic, right? <laughs> we like to say it's amazing how many coincidences you start seeing when you start praying, right? Now, of course, that's, that's a beautiful story, but 
reflect a little deeper on, on what that did for her. Because it's not just the finances, right? See, for her, that gave her an assurance of God's presence with her. Reminded her, I've got you. I've got this. Gave her a deeper awareness of the pleasure God takes in her. I, I love you enough to figure this out for you. You, sa- <laughs> you said it's up to me. Well, check this action out. Done, right? Um, it wasn't just that school got paid for. It's that revival happened in her heart and in her soul. And, and prayer is so good for us because it enables that kind of experience, an experience of God for ourselves, where we don't just know about God, but where we know God. And so the more we connect the day-to-day details of our lives to his love, the more we experience him. So yes, prayer, remarkable gift given to us in the gospel. Connect prayer and the gospel. But because it is that, we can and should pray about anything and everything. Learn to connect the day-to-day details of your life to prayer. What are the things that you need to be praying for? Maybe those mundane, small, little things of the day that you don't normally offer up to the Lord. Begin your day at taking these things to him. Takes us to our third point. Really simple. Yes, we can and should pray for anything and everything. But because prayer is a gospel reality, Christians, we can and should pray for so much more as well. Yes, Pray for the details of the day. Pray for those mundane realities. But as believers, we can also pray for so much more. We want to see the connection between prayer and the kingdom. Prayer and the kingdom. Of course God cares about your life and you can bring all its details to him. He's your father and he loves you. But there's also more because we're part of something bigger. Something verse 33 calls the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. You see, Jesus didn't just come to save a random collection of individuals. Jesus came to make all things new. Grace changes everything in our lives but beyond them too. And so we're called to lift our eyes to the horizon and see the work that God is doing. Work that's bigger than my life, work that's bigger than your life, and yet work that we can participate in through prayer. And so we know that Jesus came for for all those who are poor and for all those who are marginalized and for all those who are depressed and for all those who who are confused. And we know that Jesus came for lost and rebellious people. He came for those who are misguided or hurting. We know that Jesus came to bring mercy and justice to those who have sinned, but also to those who have sinned against. We know that Jesus came to bring all of this, not just to us, and not just to our community, not even just to our nation, but to the entire world. That the scope of the gospel is for the nations. We are beneficiaries of that reality and our prayers shouldn't solely be focused on us but should lift our eyes to that kingdom perspective and play a part in bringing that kingdom here on earth. Here's the question. The question is really convicting to me as I reflected on it this week. If God answered all your prayers just exactly as you prayed them, what would be different? The whole world or just your life? If God answered all your prayers exactly as you prayed them, 
Would that bring transformation to the world or would your life just be a little more convenient? (laughs) If God answered all your prayers just as you prayed them, who by name are the lost people who would be saved? (laughs) If God answered all our prayers just as we prayed them, who are the, the hurting people who would be ministered to and encouraged? If God answered all our prayers just as we prayed them, who are the unreached people that would no longer be unreached? Would any of these things take place? Or, or, or would we just find our lives a little easier, a little more convenient? Of course, I'm saying we should pray about our own lives. Point two, pray about all the details of your life, the job interview, sick child, uh, the upcoming exam. Pray about all these things. But we shouldn't just pray about our lives. We should lift our eyes to that kingdom perspective and we'll find that when we do, revival comes, not just to the nations, but to us. Two examples. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, one local, one global. Okay? Local example um, begins, I need to connect a couple of dots, so hang, follow the story with me. Uh, local example begins in my office on a Tuesday morning where we're having our weekly worship meeting. Okay, so we, I and the staff are gathered around and we're kind of reflecting on how the previous Sunday went and we're making plans for the, the Sunday to come. You know, we plan this thing. We don't just show up and be like, hey, Jeff, do a couple songs. Let's say, you know, James, preach a little. Okay. I know sometimes it appears that way, but that's really not what we do. Right? So we're making plans for, for the upcoming week. And then like we always do, we close that meeting in, in, in prayer. And Jeff prays, Lord, we thank you for the grace that you've given us to, to work hard and be diligent and, and plan. And we recognize your spirit is leading us in that. But we need more than that. We need your spirit to, to rule and overrule so that your people are blessed in ways that we could never have thought of. We need your people to be helped in ways that we aren't smart enough to figure out. So just do something great with us here. Have an impact for your kingdom. Okay? Tuesday morning in my office. Very same week, one of our members has a stroke. And as they're kind of coming to after this you know, serious health event, the thing that sort of was on their heart as they kind of came back was the song, Give Me Jesus. The Lord just used those lyrics to, to minister to him in that place of fear and in that place of hurting and in that place of concern. Well, we show up, both of us, this next Sunday, and guess what the offertory is? Give me Jesus. Now, we didn't know about the stroke. We didn't know that the Lord had put that song in his heart as he came to. But the Lord was ruling and overruling so that his people might be blessed in ways that we could never have imagined. Right? And again, that member is ministered to and we are encouraged of God's presence with us and God's pleasure in us. Kingdom prayer be answered. A global example. Um, we just uh, sent a team to Kenya. We send several teams each year to Kenya. If you've not been on one of those trips, we really encourage you to, to consider it. Come talk to us. We'll get you connected. Uh, really a, a profound and, and humbling experience. Well, I was talking with Nancy McMahon, our, our children's ministry director, and she was sharing story after story of, of how the Lord answered their prayers while they were there. But one great example came when before the trip, I think because of some ordering issue, I'm not sure. They'd had to order a kind of random number of t-shirts right, for the, for, the, for the team. They'd had to order 122 t-shirts. 
Now they've been assured um, the group that you're going to minister to will be no bigger than 80. So they figured, well, you know, we'll probably just give, give the rest away. Well, in good Kenya fashion, they show up and 80 tops turned out to be guess how many? 122. <laughs> 122. Coincidence? Oh, come on. <laughs> Killing me, people, right? Now, what's beautiful about that, again, is it's just uh, Nancy shared how that was just symbolic of something more significant, right? You know, t-shirt, t-shirts are t-shirts, but it was symbolic of the fact that the Lord is ruling and overruling and working all of the details of this trip for the blessing of these kids. And so we now know, do we not now know that there are kids running around, not just in MPC t-shirts, but clothed with Christ because of the ministry that took place? And he just gave us a sign and a signal that these things were true. And Nancy writes in her email, I love this line, she said, It's simple, t-shirts, but it just makes me smile over and over. Simple, but beautiful. And again, you see in these things, revival is happening. Not just in the ministry, not just in the way our member or these kids were impacted, but in the way we ourselves were impacted. Because we prayed these things, we became assured of God's presence. We became assured of God's pleasure. When we lifted our eyes from the horizon of our own lives to ask for more, when we dared to pray a kingdom prayer, God showed up and ministered not just to others, but to us. Friends, you can write the troubles of the day in sand because eternity will wash them all away. But you can write your kingdom prayers in stone because eternity will testify to them forever. We will forever celebrate the kingdom work that takes place through the prayers of God's people. So yes, remember, prayer is a gift given to us in the gospel. See the connection between our prayer and the gospel. Because of that connection, be bold to bring anything and everything to the Lord. He he cares for you. See the connection between prayer and the day-to-day details of your life. But also, don't forget that we can and should pray for so much more. See the connection between prayer and revival. I'm not sure. I'm not sure our city will stop from noon till two this week. I'm pretty sure Denver won't, But I wonder, um, I wonder if we will. <laughs> I wonder if we will. When will you pray this week? When will I pray this week? What will we pray for? As Christians saved by grace, we pray for anything and everything and so much more. And maybe this week, as we do so, the extraordinary might become a little bit more ordinary. Let's pray together. Father, by the blood of your Son, you have given us the gift of prayer, where we can come, as we're doing right now, into your presence and be assured that you stand ready and able to help us, as a father would stand with his child. Lord, what a remarkable gift, and we ask that we would begin to make the most of it. Make the most of it as we pray about the small things, anything and everything that makes up our day. As you answer, Lord, showing up, showing off, assuring us of your presence and pleasure with us. But Lord, would we not stop there? Would we be a people with a kingdom perspective, a kingdom horizon, as beneficiaries of the fact that the gospel is for the nations? Would we, too, Lord, have that great outward focus to pray for your kingdom in your world? 
And Lord, would you answer these prayers as well, that again your, your presence and pleasure might be reinforced to our hearts and to our souls. Lord, um, we really are glad for our relationship with you, relationship that is unfettered by the need to impress, unfettered by the need to pretend, but is based on grace and your goodness toward us. Help us, Lord, through this gift of prayer to deepen that relationship this very day, this very week, we ask in the perfect name of your Son. Amen.